their own heart. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? And will you profane me among the people for handfuls of barley and pieces of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against your magic charms, which you hunt the souls uh, like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go. The souls you hunt like birds, I also will tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand. They shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad. whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand. You shall know that I am the Lord. Father, we just ask uh, right now that uh, you would just settle every heart, settle our minds. Lord, those that are on their way, you'd bring them safely here. Lord, that you would uh, just be in our presence. Your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every heart clearly. We'd hear your voice. Lord, you'd bring conviction. You'd bring ministry and comfort, whatever is needed for each and every, every individual, Lord. And we pray that that which we read in your word would strengthen our faith in you. That would cause us to love you more. And Lord, it would also give us a heart for those that are still lost, that are still in deception, Lord, for we too ourselves were once lost sheep, and we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into the fold by your grace. Bless the teaching of your word, and may you be glorified and honored in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, thinking of, you look at this text, let's see if I can paint a picture for you. What would make a little Jewish girl given that Ezekiel is told to turn his attention to the daughters of your people. Ezekiel, remember, he doesn't live in Jerusalem. He's in captivity. But nevertheless, he himself is the son of one of the daughters of Jerusalem. And he remembers many of the young women that that he grew up with or that he met. And the Lord tells him to turn his attention to them, the daughters of your people. And what would make a little Jewish girl that perhaps grew up going to the temple, seeing the priests headed to their duties of daily sacrifice, seeing the smoke rise literally and symbolically up to the heavens from the sacrifices, knowing as a little girl that the Ark of the Covenant is in the temple and that the testimony of God's law is there, and understanding the fact that the Shekinah glory of God resided inside the Holy of Holies. She would have been told that. She would have known that as a little girl. What would make a a girl like this grow up and actually reject the truth of her forefathers, the true and living God, for pseudo-magic charms and mysticism and the occult? Not only that, Uh, What would make her one day become what the Lord would basically describe as a priestess 
for the demonic religions and to hunt the souls of her very own people. Now let me ask you this. What would make a little girl in America that grows up going to church, going to Sunday school, singing songs about Jesus, maybe hearing her grandmother read the scriptures, maybe sees people in her own family following the Lord. What would make this girl someday become an agnostic or choose a godless lifestyle or want nothing to do with Christianity? And the things maybe she posts on Facebook are everything from irreverent to immoral. How does this happen? Well, it can happen a number of ways. But what if her father that once took her to church stopped going? And then maybe her father that once took her to church stopped taking the family at all. And what if he eventually left the family altogether? And what if the church made no real effort to help or to heal or to offer genuine counsel and uh, biblical answers from the Lord? And what if several years later, this same girl returned to a church while in college, but everywhere she went, they no longer used the scriptures in the churches she visited? And she came to the conclusion that the atheist and the humanist and the New Age college professors were actually more credible to her than the hip pastors that were given a pep talk that was absent of the scriptures and was absent of the Holy Spirit and was as empty as she was already feeling. What if that, you kind of see how something in ancient times, and you see something in our time, by the way, both scenarios not only are legitimately plausible, but one we know absolutely happened and the other one is happening all the time. What if she then comes to the conclusion, so this young girl, maybe she grew up going to church, she used to, man, I, I was somewhat interested, then heartbroken, then goes back and sees, well, maybe God does have the answers, doesn't get any answers, decides it's all, it's all a bunch of junk, the Christianity thing, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into that. I, as a matter of fact, every time I went, I didn't get any better answers. As a matter of fact, my college professor seemed smarter, my friends seemed smarter, Twitter seemed smarter. And what if she comes to the conclusion that pleasure, that achievement, that success, that short-term relationships, that's what life must all be about? And a little bit about this. Is you, we, 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 we sometimes wonder, how do people end up in certain places so far from what seems like, would a sane person do this or would a sane person do that? What if she someday is introduced to the occult? And what if she's introduced to the occult by really cool people, intelligent people, well-dressed people, well-spoken people, well-connected people? And what if they're normal-looking, whatever normal is? And what if she fully adopts their beliefs, and someday she's actually helping to persuade others that were disillusioned with what they thought God and Christianity was all about. All that's possible. 
If you're taking notes, I've titled our time in God's Word tonight, A Painful Chain Reaction. A Painful Chain Reaction. And if you're taking notes, we'll look at three things from the text in our time together tonight. The void, the vile, and the victory. The void, the vile, and the victory. There actually is some good news in this text. You may have seen it. We'll get to that at the end. It's not all bad news. Um, Thankfully, even the worst of news, isn't it great to know this? The worst of news in the Bible, unless anyone we think, anyone you can think of that's still alive on planet Earth, still can be saved by God's grace. Isn't that great? I I heard one of the most, I'm probably going to save it for Sunday. I wanted to save it for weeks, but I can't hold it in that long. Uh, My roommate, when we were at the pastor's conference, was Pastor Terry Sartain from Charlotte. And I knew knew Terry when when we used to live in Charlotte. And um, so it was kind of good to to be reunited with him and to hang out for a little bit. And, uh, you know, Dane Wadley, who was my pastor down in Charlotte, uh, introduced me to Terry. And so we... um, but he told a testimony uh, of a woman that, that God allowed him to win to Christ that was one of the most amazing I've ever heard. And it wasn't just me. There was like 10 other pastors in the room, and every single one of them, matter of fact, several, several of them said, that's the greatest testimony I've ever heard. Uh, so I probably will, I'll save it for Sunday when there's a few more people. But it would fit here well. Because even with the bad news that's here, don't forget that God can still reach anybody. Even someone who is a false prophetess can be turned around. I want to make that, we'll say that from the outset and we'll look at the good news at the end. But if you're taking notes, the void, the vile, and the victory, let's take a look first uh, at this void. Why am I calling this first section the void? Well, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, um, there was in Israel first these false prophets. And by the context itself, the text itself, we know that God was speaking about male false prophets for most of the chapter up and through uh, verse 16. So the men that were speaking on supposedly behalf of the Lord, that were lying, that were using divination, that were misleading the people, that were deceiving and saying there's no danger, uh, peace, peace, when there was no peace, all of the other things, and whatever other lies they were telling, and they themselves uh, were not speaking on behalf of the Lord. They were speaking on behalf of themselves. They had self-worship at minimum, and certainly probably other forms of worship as well. But those false prophets, God speaks about and tells that he's going to destroy them, that they, would put, they had put a thin veneer of mortar, which would be no protection whatsoever. And so these men were false shepherds, misleading the people, not standing in the gaps, not building a wall, and not standing in battle. Uh, verse 5, they were not being shepherds that God's called us to be. And really, we talked about as well that you have false prophets that just spew lies, and then you have, uh, then you have hirelings that, well, maybe they don't tell any lies, but they don't tell the whole story that God has said to tell the whole thing. Right? So you tell someone, hey, if you, ask that, you say this prayer, you go to heaven. What happens if I don't? What happens if I don't? I'm not going to tell you. It's not that big a deal. Just if you pray, you'll go to heaven. 
Now, it's a really big deal, the other part of the story, isn't it? Broad is the road to destruction. If it was like, well, hardly anybody goes there, but Jesus said, broad is the road, and many there be that go that way. So the other side of the story is huge, because that's where most people are headed. So if we didn't talk about the other side, so we have prophets like that. But these women that arrive on the scene here, um, they don't really become what they become if the men didn't first go the wrong direction. If there was not men that were, that were standing in the gap and actually saying, thus saith the Lord. Now there were some men doing that. Jeremiah was doing that. Ezekiel was doing that over in captivity. Certainly God had a few others. But they were few and far between. The vast majority of the quote-unquote shepherds were false, were pandering to the people. What religion do you want? That, whatever you want me to be, that's what I'll be. You want a circus clown? I'll be a circus clown. You want entertainment? You'll get entertainment. You want to be told that everything's going to be fine? You're sleeping on a sleep number bed, all of you, and not, just set your dial to whatever you want. Everything's going to be fine. I'll preach that to you, and they would. So where would these women get the same idea? Well, they would get it from the false prophets. The last verse in the entire Old Testament, you know I read it several times a year. It's a great verse. Read it to yourself every now and then. You can always read it to your husband. He'll think you're preaching as soon as you read it to him, but Malachi 4.6, if he hears you read this, he'll think, what have I not been doing? And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Um, wherever there's derelict dads, there's the chance of someday diabolical women. Men that are not feeling their... Same with... It goes without saying you can have diabolical men from derelict dads too. Matter of fact, when we go into the youth correctional facility, it's 90% boys, 10% girls. But both with the boys and the girls... Ask them, how many of you live with your dad? You barely get a hand. So wherever there's an absence of dads, wherever there's an absence of godly men, wherever there's an absence of godly shepherd, there is going to be a rise in sin. And God says, it's a worldwide problem. It's a worldwide problem. This verse, of course, applies to fathers and their children, but we can make the application to spiritual fathers as well. Spiritual fathers. I've had spiritual fathers. Several of them. You guys know Sam Nadler. He's a spiritual father of mine. Loran Livingston down in Charlotte. Chuck Smith. These are Sandy Adams in Georgia. These are spiritual fathers of mine. And we can make the application that spiritual fathers that have abandoned their responsibility to Sue idolatry, whether it's the idolatry of self or the idolatry of false religion. Either way, as soon as spiritual fathers or earthly fathers pursue idolatry, there's a big hole in leadership and who's leading the kids to God. And if no one's leading the kids to God, guess who will fill the void? Satan. And he's pretty good at leading too. He is a pied piper to lead the wrong direction. What if there had been righteous fathers teaching their daughters to serve the Lord? Take a left-hand turn to Nehemiah, one of my favorite verses. 
I shared this one with my daughters recently. I love this verse. Any of you that have girls, highlight it. You'll love this verse too. What if, what if there was godly fathers and godly spiritual fathers doing what in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 12, this man by the name of Shalom. See, this is a picture of someone filling the void and not letting Satan fill the void. Look at Nehemiah 3, verse 12. The wall was being rebuilt. Nehemiah, a godly man, had spurred other godly men. But some of the godly men were already doing well. They just joined Nehemiah and the wall would go up that much faster. Uh, one godly man can do a lot. Several godly men can do a whole lot more. But godly men are supposed to also bring forth godly women and godly young men. If you have sons and don't have daughters, it's applicable here too. But what's interesting here is, look at Nehemiah 3.12. And next to him was Shalom, the son of Haloesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. And he and his daughters made repairs. Told the girls, that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. With a tool belt on. Everyone else out there is teenage guys. And Shalom says, I don't have any sons. I don't have any sons. Girls, we're going to work on the wall. Put a sword on one side and a trowel on the other. Because I don't have, he's like, I don't have any sons. But I do have daughters. And that is what God wants. That's what God wants his daughters doing. Making repairs in the home, in people's lives, leading people the right way. Turn over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 21. Some of you know where I'm headed probably. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Another guy like me in the sense that he has girls. I'm not comparing myself to these guys. I'm sure they far outpaced me spiritually. But nevertheless, they're good, they're good role models to attain to. Again, if you don't have daughters, you still want to attain to these things as well. Nehemiah, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And on the next day, we were Paul's companions and departing came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters, who prophesied. Here's another guy leading his children the right direction. He was filling the void that would be there if there was no godly leadership. And these women were prophesying. By the way, doesn't mean that they were actually telling the future or anything like that. It just could mean that like Fanny Crosby, they had memorized a lot of scripture. And they would just kind of Paul found enjoyment sitting maybe around the living room as they would just say verse after verse after verse, or maybe they did, uh, God did give them a special anointing and they said something, uh, we don't know. Uh, that prophecy could have been specific or it could have been just scripture, but whether it was Shalom's daughters or Philip's daughters, this is God's design for his daughters, Amen that they would be women of the word, that they would be women of godly action, that they would be pure. Notice they were virgin daughters. This is God's design. But not Satan's. Satan wants to turn them into just as evil as the false prophet men. Same thing. See, what starts out as sweet little girls full of potential, 
Women that could fulfill the characteristics of Proverbs 31 and the Proverbs 31 woman, which is God's desire for every woman. And by the way, Proverbs 31 is also a picture of the church. We are the bride of Christ. It's also uh, an image of the whole church bride. But that, that's God's design. That's his desire that, that the daughters of Israel would be godly women, that they would be women like Sarah and Leah, right? They'd be women like Mary in the New Testament, Esther, women of character, strong, but women that had faith and only obeyed the Lord, and they wouldn't deviate and adopt the false teaching of the world. The false prophets of Israel, they had rejected God, and rather than building the people up with truth and filling the gaps of neglect and protecting the people from very certain danger, Babylon was advancing, danger was coming. God said, you will be destroyed unless you repent. But they weren't telling that. Who's telling America that you will suffer greatly if you don't repent? I heard uh, another brother in Christ recently say, it's not a matter, it's not a matter that whether or not we're losing altitude, it's a matter of when we'll crash. We're absolutely losing altitude. The descent is there. It's It's evident in so many metrics. If you're a data-driven person, I could show you data point after data point after data point to prove it financially, Morally, economically, politically, entertainment world, family metrics, prison metrics, and whatever you want to look at, for the most part, the altitude is definitely dropping. But just like then, are we telling people the truth from God's word, or are we saying, well, they don't want to hear that, but what we'll give them is this instead. See, these false prophets, they sold the people out. And as derelict spiritual fathers or derelict biological fathers, what they wanted was the perks of life and popularity rather than the presence and protection of God. Because if you want the presence and protection of God, you, me, all we have to change things in our life if we want the protection of God. Amen? He still commands a holy people. He still says, no, 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 these are my commandments, not suggestions. These are what I ask you to do, command you to do, but they're for our, they're for our benefit. I mean, they, they're for his glory, but they are for our benefit. Uh, I was thinking just as I was up at the pastor's conference, and we were, we, Sandy did a message on just the cross, our eyes on the cross. As a matter of fact, it was close. And I was thinking how empty my life would be if I wasn't saved. I just was thinking about what would it be like if the highlight of my week was my team won? And that doesn't always happen anyway. Especially NFL fans. We won, we lost, we won, we lost. You know, every Sunday. You're four and four. You have a 50% chance of being happy this week. If you're like a Jets fan, it's probably even worse than that or something like that. Sorry if you are. Or but I mean, the things that the emptiness of people, the highlight of their week was, we're going to party Saturday night. The highlight. What happens after that? 
going to go to work Monday. No future hope. Now, Adam, the first prophet, priest, provider, protector on earth, he was supposed to be protecting Eve from false doctrine. He was supposed to be keeping her from the enemy's seductive pull into his net. He was supposed to be there. He was apparently, if he was there, he had a remote control in his hand. Which you could be 10 miles away if you have that, if you're a man. You could be right there beside What? You were talking the last hour? <laughs> Did you see me talking to the snake? What snake? There's no snake on the TV, you know. No, no, the one I was talking to here. But whenever men choose to pursue, at, in society, whenever men choose to pursue what is false, eventually everybody else will follow too. Some women are like, I don't follow what a man does. No, 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 no. I do my own thing. No, women will eventually pursue it too. Men start gangs. In our lifetime, now women are in gangs. Men get all tatted up. Now women get all tatted up. Men start ultimate fighting championship. Now women are in the ultimate fighting championship. Try and think of anything that you thought would forever be only male. Can't think of anything. Eventually, women will do the same thing. Uh, and, and clearly, it wasn't their original idea to come up with some of these things. It's goofball men. Sorry, men. I can say that about men. I can, I can, be, I can be as mean gender to men as I want because I am one. <laughs> Let's look at... Um, so we know that this void where there should have been godly men more of them. There was some. The few that were there, those voices were drowned out by hundreds, who knows how many false prophets. And eventually the women are like, if you can't beat them, join them. You know the old, you know, when you're a kid, well, if Johnny walks off the cliff, are you going to walk off the cliff right after him? And many people are like, yes, I will. And a lot of the women are like, hey, these guys, the false prophets, think about women and men, they're the same in the same way. They both like the same affirmation. These men are popular, that means I'll be popular. If people like them, that means I'll like them. If these men are making money, the Lord says, you sold me out for barley and grain, and you're actually getting some kind of benefit from it, these guys are doing good financially, maybe I can have a private jet. And we've got false prophetesses that have all that stuff. Working for them probably will work for me. They got a big following. Maybe I'll have a big following. Let's look at the vial. Matthew Henry says, As God has promised that when he pours out his spirit upon his people, both their sons and their daughters shall prophesy. So the devil, when he acts as a spirit of lies and falsehood, is so in the mouth not only of false prophets, but of false prophetesses too. See, it was God's desire, as Peter stands up there in Pentecost, that your sons and daughters, sons and daughters, would be on the wall. Your sons and daughters would be speaking truth. Your sons and daughters would be worshiping with hands raised. Your sons and daughters would know the scriptures. 
But Satan's like, no, I want your sons and daughters dead before the age of 30 in a DUI. And if I can't have that, well, if I could have one of them be a false prophet and the other one be a false prophetess and one in the occult and one in the name it, claim it, you know, uh, get, get rich, that's what God wants for you, whatever is the flavor of the day, he'll take that too. These women, according to what God gives Ezekiel, woe to these women, woe to them. Strong, strong words. Woe from God is not something you want to hear. Grave danger. I am personally against you is what God is saying. Your judgment is coming. I'm directly against you. Neither men or women want to find themselves in the crosshairs of God's wrath. But woe to these women, they sew magic charms on the sleeve, they make veils they, uh, for the heads of the people, they hunt, every, they hunt souls. They hunt the souls of my people. They profane me among, they profane the name of God. They use the name of God for personal gain, for wealth. Remember how Jesus reacted to the money changers profaning the name of God? Twice he tore the place up. I mean, flipped the tables. Sometimes he made a whip. Did it at the beginning of his ministry and the end of it. And he, and he made really clear that he was never, ever happy with the name of the Father being profaned. So God will not, well, she's a sweet woman. God will be okay. No, he's not okay with men or women profaning his name. Mocking his name using his name to say, God is okay with this lifestyle. God is okay with this choice. No, he's not okay with some of the things that people think that he's okay with. And if you and I ever start to say God's okay with what God's not okay with, then we are going to have some woe against us. God forbid that we would do that. These women, they would pollute the name of God. It talks about these magic charms that they would sew on the sleeves. Some scholars... There's a number of different schools of thought on some of these magic charms, but um, one of the, one of the uh, possibilities, some scholars believe, they actually sewed, and there's some uh, historical proof points that this may be the case, but uh, they might have even sewed little pillows. Why would that? Well, the little pillows, this is great. It would remind the people that they're resting at ease. God's got them safely. God's actually against this, and they're telling them, does that sound familiar if you've ever watched certain teachings? The very thing that God doesn't like, people are telling, and God loves this when you are doing this, that, or the other. You just put your head back on the pillow. It's God made you the little pillow. Little magic charms. Could have been occultic in nature. Charms that could have had uh, witchcraft connotations. There's a lot of different, again, we don't know all the details around some of these things. We were talking about Pastor Chuck. One of the things that's refreshing about Pastor Chuck, when, he, when Pastor Chuck used to teach the Word of God, because you can read commentary after commentary and you can read historical things, and you'll actually get different opinions on certain things. Chuck, one of the pastors, said that, that what blew him away and why he immediately gravitated to Pastor Chuck is Pastor Chuck one time, see, the first time I ever heard Chuck preaching, Chuck was going through a verse, and Chuck goes, I don't know what that means. <laughs> he said, as soon as I heard that, I wanted to stop the car and say, I don't know what church this is, I'm going there. 
I have finally heard a pastor say, I don't know what that means. He said, where I grew up in the denomination I was in, he goes, you never didn't have an answer. I don't even thought that's good English. It's bad English. But anyway, you get the idea. It's really bad English. The longer I get away from corporate America, I lose my mind when it comes to good speech. Which is good, because, you know, Peter and them, they weren't all really, really, really well-spoken. Paul said he came with simplistic of speech. And I think when you start to preach, you lose your uh, verbal skills at times. But the, the word seems to come out well. But in biblical history, exactly what all this means, what we know is God hated it. It was, every, it was anything from extremely just twisting God's words all the way to potentially occultic. And I believe it was a little bit of all of the above. In, Bible, in the Bible history, though, you have women like Delilah, Jezebel, Herod's unlawful wife. I mean, she had John the Baptist beheaded. Elijah was running from Jezebel. She was so vile and wicked. Delilah had Samson's eyes gouged out, and he was shaved. I mean, these women were, had become just as cold-hearted as men. They were wicked. And if you've ever seen Tim Hawkins, <laughs> he does the Delilah one, just tell the devil I said hi, you know. But all the evil and unrepentant women of the Bible, I want you to know this, all the evil and unrepentant women of the Bible were not only real, they really did exist. And they not only were vile, but they were also pictures in the Scripture. They were pictures of the coming harlot in Revelation 17. Did you know that? All the godly women in the Bible, just like Proverbs 31, are pictures of the bride of Christ. All of the filthy, vile women in the Bible are pictures of the harlot that rides the beast. They are the complete opposite. Proverbs 31 woman and Jezebel couldn't be farther apart. Sarah, whose daughters you are, the New Testament says, you want to be daughters? You want to be daughters of Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, whose daughters you are, if with godly fear, the Scripture says, right? You don't want to be these other ladies' daughters. They're the false prophetesses. See, the woman riding the beast is a blend of false religion and the world system, false religion and the world system, and that system and the false religion actually rejects God, and not only rejects God, she's drunk on the blood of the saints. She hates God's children. Notice these women hunt souls. They even have some influence, to, there's again different schools of thought, some influence on godly people dying. Jeremiah, we know he was cast into prison. We know that Herod's wife, she had bloodshed, Jezebel. But, uh, and there's other schools of thought uh, on this text as well that uh, this, this speaks to that food was taken away from godly people because food was scarce is another school of thought. Food was taken away from godly people and given to ungodly people. So some of the godly people were now starving. So they weren't necessarily killed. But you know, starving's not real fun either. Food supply taken away. By the way, the Antichrist is going to take away food supply from anyone that doesn't bear the mark of the beast. Sound familiar? Food supply. Regulated against 
the saints. But in Revelation 17, 5, it says, And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Woe to her. She is a picture of these ungodly women. A blend of false and the world system and the lavishing of the world. Bad combination. We have, as I mentioned, we certainly have false prophetesses that represent the church today. They're not in the, well, they can be in the church name, but as far as they're not in the bride of Christ, they would be tares growing among the wheat. But we have them, just like, again, we have men that teach false doctrine. We have women. And Jesus said, there'll be many deceivers in my name. There's, you know, women that will knock on your door that are Jehovah's Witnesses, that are Mormon. They believe wholeheartedly in what they... Uh, and again, I'm not saying that people that are false don't genuinely at some level believe what they believe. Just be, be, once you're deceived, you really believe that, you know, if, if someone didn't really believe if you're ISIS, you have to really believe that there's going to be good things to come to go do some of the things that they're doing. Now, they couldn't be more wrong the second they die. Where are the 72 virgins? This is a hot place, right? This is not what we were told. Deception, the Satan's the father of lies. He deceives people, and then those people go out and deceive other people. The Bible says the false prophet will go out and deceive people to get them to worship the Antichrist. But there'll be false prophetesses. There'll be false men. We have false prophetesses. There's, there's a very well-known one. I'm not going to mention her name. Sometimes I do mention names, but tonight I'll refrain myself, restrain. There's one that's pretty well known. She denies the sufficiency of Christ. Well, if we don't have the sufficiency, if Jesus isn't exactly who he said he was, you and I have a big problem, don't we? But I know he is all-sufficient. And CNN, this year, March 21st, it's not just, it's not just false prophets and the prophetesses in the church. There is an evil tide of Satan using women, and I mean this very clearly, women in pop culture to lead people astray. You'll believe it if you didn't already, just a second. Back in March at the South by Southwest Music Festival, this is in CNN's article, Lady Gaga invited vomit artist Millie Brown to join her on stage to do what Brown does best. So both are women. Millie Brown is a vomit artist, the only one I've ever heard of, hopefully the last one we ever hear of. And so she invited Brown on stage, and Brown participated in the performance by sticking her fingers down her throat, and then she vomited green and black paint all over the pop star, who was clad in nothing but a bikini, and whatever else she was wearing, attire, in another article related to this performance, Lady Gaga said, now listen to her words here. I want you to be really, this is, this is like fork tongue as it gets. She says, I love my fans because they always let me be myself and they don't care what anybody says. Gaga told the crowd, because she later was interviewed on stage by uh, some kind of like forum. It's so much easier to be yourself than it is to be someone else. 
Wow, that sounds noble. You're so brave. She later explained at the keynote, things are really, really, things that are really, listen to this, listen to these words from her, purely demonic. Things that are really, really strange and feel really wrong can really change the world. She said, I'm not saying that vomit's going to change the world. It's truly just what we wanted to create and do. She has the six most Twitter followers on planet Earth. Number one is Katy Perry. Number five, I believe, I, I looked it up earlier today, was Taylor Swift. Number seven, Britney Spears. Millions, 40-plus million each, I believe, Twitter followers, Instagram followers. By the way, Twitter, because I'm on Twitter, if you follow Twitter, you actually want to hear what someone has to say. These folks don't want to hear, thus saith the Lord, but they wait on every word from Katy Perry's voice, from Lady Gaga's voice. And if it's really strange, and by the way, you know what the song was that she was doing that to? The song's called Swine. Matter of fact, there was a giant mechanical pig that she was riding on. Now, I'm not saying this, that this isn't to, we, we should all pray for the Lady Gaga. God can still save her. He can still, on the man's side, guys like Marilyn Manson or, or, whatever, or Charles Manson, I think, I think he's still alive in prison, whoever. But the point is, her message, if you listen to her words, her words of her music and her words to young people are silky smooth seductive. What she was saying is this. Here's her subtle message. It's not so subtle if you're a Christian. You should have the Holy Spirit. You should pick up exactly what she was saying. This is what she was saying. Let me cut through all her forked tongue words. She was saying this. Younger generation, whatever you feel like doing, do. That's who you are. Now, who would she get that idea from? Go back to the Garden of Eden. See, I don't even think some of these people are speaking sometimes. I think it's demonic. And so a woman like that, who ha Satan has given her money and power. Just this week, Ray Comfort put on his, on his blog, The Amazing Jonathan. I don't know if anyone read it. Oh, it's, you read, you get your chills. The end that he talks about, he's dying of cancer. He's got only a few months to live. It came out of nowhere. He's been performing in Las Vegas on the Strip for years. He has like, I don't know, 30-some expensive sports cars. He's got houses. He said, I've made millions of dollars. And he said, there is something to be said for devil worship. He said that word. He said it. He said, there's something to be said for devil worship. But, he's, but he also indicated he was very afraid and at the end, he said, but I'll see all of you on the other side. No, well, some of them, if he doesn't come to Christ, he will. Well, he won't see them because it's dark there. But they'd be in the same place. Now, again, Ray Comfort was saying, I would pray that he receives Christ. He still, can, he still can get saved. To the last breath, God has grace. Amen? The people in Nineveh were just as vile as everything I just read. I mean, the pagan practices were horrific. But I'm telling you, Today's peop young people, they don't really, their sanctuary is the entertainment world. That is their cathedral. Their prophetesses are Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, and don't be misled, they're leading occultic practices even at the American Music Awards or whatever else. 
They're leading, and by the way, this is numbing our young people into the occult. They're normalizing the behavior. And when they do these things, either shots over the bow to make it normative. And after a while, your young person that's a college-educated Princeton grad listening to Lady Gaga while running her morning run thinks it's all normal. So when someday the occult becomes just as normal as the satanic church is trying in Florida to put things, you know, they want a memorial to Lucifer. Like this is normal. But Satan, it's, he's turning up the knob. He's turning up the knob. And it's vile. Now we get to end with some good news. The victory. God has something to say about all this. And you know, Asap found that in Psalms it looked like this evil was going to prevail. But they were stuck on slippery slopes. The amazing Jonathan, his, his story is sad. If he dies without, he's realizing that, yeah, there is something to be said for devil worship, but there's a lot, lot more to be said for calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one will last you a little while, and one will get you all eternity in the presence of the Lord. But the victory here, verse 20, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against your magic charms by which you hunt the souls. See, God loves souls. Satan hunts souls. God saves souls. Satan hunts souls. Do you see the difference? God redeems souls. Satan hunts them. Satan hates souls. God loves souls. I will tear off your veil and deliver... I love verse 21. Hey, this is us, by the way. Here's us right here, verse 21. I will tear off your veils and deliver my people. Hey, you want to be in God's hands and be the delivered. You know, Lot was tormented by what was going on in Sodom. Back in Ezekiel chapter 10, those that sighed over the wickedness, God sealed them with a protective seal. Now, you and I, we might not think that Pastor Saeed has a protective seal, but be assured he does. Those in North Korean jail says they do have a protective seal. You and I can't see it, but the spirit world can see it, the angels can see it, and God can see it. So they are under the protective seal. And some of them are there just to win people to Christ. But God was, he says, then you shall know that I am the Lord. There's two, there's two results here. On the one side, if you resisted God, you're going to find out he really is the authority. And he really is holy. And he's not going to tolerate lies and wickedness. But he says uh, in verse 22, you've made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I've not made sad. You've made the heart of the righteous sad. But in verse 23, he says, I will deliver my people out of your hand. You might feel, or I'll even ask the question, do you ever feel like our leaders have failed us and abandoned the truth of God? Does it feel like many shepherds are now hirelings and they've gone silent on the Word of God? Well, if you read the Barna study, you'll know. You watch TV, you listen to radio. Not all of them. AM 590 is actually awesome. But does their silence on truth and their exuberance to be loved by the world ever discourage you? Well, join the club. It discourages all of us at times. You're like, what in the world? Are, whose team are we on here? Does it feel like 
evil is winning. Well, sometimes it does feel like evil is winning, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like the evil is not only winning, but winning big. Just rolling over America. It owns Los Angeles and the entertainment industry. It owns Wall Street. It owns Washington, right? And you say, wow, evil owns everything. It owns Time Magazine. It owns People Magazine. It owns all the newsstands. I Matter of fact, I have to put blindfolds on my kids to go through the newsstands now. And Lot's like, get me out of this place. And Abraham's like, I told you not to go down. No, he didn't say it. <laughs> Chill out over with me, here with me. But it feels like evil's winning. You know, in the Civil War, um, Abraham Lincoln said this. He says he was confident that, that right would win. He was confident that right would win. And he said, wise counsels may accelerate it, or mistakes may delay it. Sooner or later, the victory is sure to come. Now, he didn't know for certain that victory would come. But let me tell you, we know for certain that God's victory will come. When God says right here, I will deliver my people, we can be assured that no matter how much evil prevails, we would be wise to stay on the side of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Well, they're vastly outnumbered. They are getting laughed at. They're not, getting, they're not winning all the money. The prophetesses and the false prophets are doing really well. Uh, they're getting backslapping and, and all kinds of... Their, movie, uh, their movies are popular. They're on the front of magazines. They have more Twitter followers and all this other stuff. And, and Ezekiel and Jeremiah would say, yeah, but they won't be delivered. They'll be destroyed if they stay in that place. Isaiah 59, 19 says, and this is what the Lord wants us to do. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That's us. We'll say we're off a weak, flimsy standard. That's the kind God uses. Because he is a spirit. He's not needing Samson's muscle, did he? Samson found out God didn't need his muscle, didn't he? Sometimes we can think a little too much of ourselves. <laughs> Samson found out. Uh, he actually went the way, he, he was hanging out with false, dabbling with the false, and the false burnt him really bad, didn't it? And when he finally came to his senses, God says, it never was your muscles. It was always my spirit. And it never is you and me that is going to be the light that wins people. It's never going to be you and me. I couldn't give Lady Gaga a good enough argument to get saved, but the Holy Spirit can. Isn't that great? Because she would probably say to me, hey, look, first of all, I'm not any worse than anybody else. I just do kooky things. And to some extent, she'd probably be right. But she would say, but on top of that, I make millions of dollars. I have lots of cars. I have homes all over the world. Can you give me that? I'd say, no, but can you buy another second of your life? Guarantee where you're going to spend eternity? The Lord can. And God says, these false prophetesses, at some point, you know, yeah, they might have started out as children that would have believed right or wrong, however they were led. But at some point, we all become adults and we make our own decisions. And we can't blame 
the void that was left, we can't blame, well, so-and-so mistaught me. At some point, God says, yeah, but I've never taught you anything false, and you still resist me. And these prophetesses, just like the false prophets, if they don't turn and repent, they will be judged. But God says, don't you. You stay firm to the end. You be a standard against them, Isaiah 59, verse 19. And know, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? We have the victory. We have the answer. We have the antidote for the falseness. We have the truth that's going to shine even brighter. Yeah, when things get really dark, the voice of Jeremiah and Ezekiel is even more noticeable. And so take comfort, and if you're here with us Sunday, we have a great text in Luke that's kind of complimentary uh, on the victory side of this, where um, I think you'll be really be encouraged by what Jesus has to say. Everything Jesus has to say to us, you should be encouraged by. But uh, the, you know, it's the, God wants us to know that, yeah, even when everything around us is abysmally dark, know that God says, I will deliver my people. Do you believe that? That he's got us safe in his hands? And he's like, don't waver. Don't be angry or vengeful. Pray for the most vile things that you see. You know? Wouldn't it be, it would be really cool if Lady Gaga got saved. Talk about a Christian concert tour. She'll never erase the things that are on YouTube, unfortunately. There's a consequence to the things that we do publicly, especially in today's age. You never erase, but it'll be erased in eternity if we get saved. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We know that it's never been your desire that the daughters of Jerusalem would become false prophetesses. It's never been your desire, Lord, that the sons of Jerusalem would be false prophets. But Lord, you are a God that's full of mercy and grace that you desire to see repentance. And Lord, we're just thankful that we are instruments of your grace. And we pray, Lord, that we would be confident and bold and knowing that we can stand, but Lord, not only stand, that we'd have the compassion to pray for those that are spreading lies. Some cases, Lord, they truly believe their lies, but whether they believe them or don't believe them, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, I just pray. I pray for these entertainers, Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift and uh, Britney Spears and all these others, Lord, uh, the men as well, Lord, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that you'd penetrate their hearts and let them know, Lord, uh, whether it's this uh, amazing Jonathan, Lord, that if they die in a place of deception, Lord, there's no hope, but that they would call upon the name of the Lord, that, Lord, you'd send born-again believers across their path. Lord, they'd open a Gideon Bible in a hotel room and read it and be saved. And Lord, we pray that you would just use us to be your faithful salt and light in this world. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. It's not by our strength, but by your power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.